0: but when men and horses, cattle, camels, and dromedaries have poached the spring into mud, it becomes loathsome to those who at first drank of it with rapture, and he who had the merit of discovering it, if he would preserve his reputation with the tribe, must display his talent by a fresh discovery of untasted fountains. If the author, who finds himself limited to a particular class of subjects, endeavors to sustain his reputation by striving to add a novelty of attraction to themes of the same character which have been formerly successful under his management, there are manifest reasons why, after a certain point, he is likely to fail. If the mind be not wrought out, the strength and capacity of the miner become necessarily exhausted. If he closely imitates the narratives which he has before rendered successful, he is doomed to wonder that they please no more. If he struggles to take a different view of the same class of subjects, he speedily discovers that what is obvious, graceful, and natural, has been exhausted. And in order to obtain the indispensable charm of novelty, he is forced upon caricature, and, to avoid being trite, must become extravagant it is not perhaps necessary to enumerate so many reasons why the author of the Scottish novels, as they were then exclusively termed, should be desirous to make an experiment on a subject purely English. It was his purpose, at the same time, to have rendered the experiment as complete as possible by bringing the intended work before the public as the effort of a new candidate for their favour, in order that no degree of prejudice, whether favourable or the reverse, might attach to it as a new production of the author of Waverley, but this intention was afterwards departed from for reasons to be hereafter mentioned. The period of the narrative adopted was the reign of Richard I, not only as abounding with characters whose very names were sure to attract general attention, but as affording a striking contrast betwixt the Saxons, by whom the soil was cultivated, and the Normans, who still reigned in it as conquerors reluctant to mix with the vanquished or acknowledge themselves of the same stock. The idea of this contrast was taken from the ingenious and unfortunate Logan's tragedy of Runnymede, in which, about the same period of history, the author had seen the Saxon and Norman barons opposed to each other on different sides of the stage. He does not recollect that there were any attempt to contrast the two races in their habits and sentiments, and indeed it was obvious that history was violated by introducing the Saxons still existing as a high-minded and martial race of nobles. They did, however, survive as a people, and some of the ancient Saxon families possessed wealth and power, although they were exceptions to the humble condition of the race in general. It seemed to the author that the existence of the two races in the same country, the vanquished distinguished by their plain, homely blunt manners, and the free spirit infused by their ancient institutions and laws, the victors by the high spirit of military fame, personal adventure, and whatever could distinguish them as the flower of chivalry, might, intermixed with other characters belonging to the same time and country, interest the reader by the contrast. If the author should not fail on his part. Scotland, however, had been of late used so exclusively as the scene of what is called historical romance that the preliminary letter of Mr. Lawrence Templeton became in some measure necessary. To this, as to an introduction, the reader is referred, as expressing author's purpose and opinions in undertaking this species of composition under the necessary reservation that he is far from thinking he has attained the point at which he aimed. It is scarcely necessary to add that there was no idea or wish to pass off the supposed Mr. Templeton as a real person, but a kind of continuation of the tales of my landlord had been recently attempted by a stranger, and it was supposed this dedicatory epistle. Might pass for some imitation of the same kind, and thus putting inquirers upon a false scent, induce them to believe they had before them the work of some new candidate for their favour. After a considerable part of the work had been finished and printed, the publishers, who pretended to discern in it a germ of popularity, remonstrated strenuously against its appearing as an absolutely anonymous production, and contended that it should have the advantage of being announced as by the author of Waverley. The author did not make any obstinate opposition, for he began to be of opinion with Dr. Wheeler, in Miss Edgeworth's excellent tale of...